should the Bible be taken read literally? Uh, are there parts of it that are, are figurative? I mean, we know there's parts that are historical and they're his- accurate, they're historically accurate. Um, and we also, uh, or is it a combination of both? Like, I mean... Pastor Jameson, here we are again. Here we are again. And I just want to say, I can't believe we're in our fourth episode, and I still have not said this. If any of our listeners are in Cincinnati, stop by the Carthage Church of the Nazarene. I can't believe I didn't use a shameless plug before now. That's so sad. So anyways, it's in Carthage, Ohio, Carthage Church of the Nazarene. And I say this also because I was just um, officially made the pastor recently. Well, congratulations. And, yeah, thanks. It was definitely just um, just kind of a humbling, it was a humbling experience just to be a part of that service. And we had uh, one of our leaders in the Nazarene Church come in, and and they voted on me, and it was a unanimous vote, and, and I was just, it was all no. <laughs> I was going to say, they have no, no. idea what they've done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I did have some threats that they said, well, we're voting no, but they changed their mind, I guess, right at the last second. But no, the truth is, um, I'm just grateful to be where I am. I love the people there. And if you're ever in Cincinnati, come check it out. Good deal. You don't have to be Nazarene. You don't even have to be a Christian. Just come check it out. Just come check it out, huh? Yeah. Good deal. But not only do you, at least as of right now, right, you're, you're the pastor, but you also kind of handle the music too, right? I do. Oh, yes. Good call. We need a worship leader. Very bad. <laughs> I'll <Very> do it. <laughs> like I said, we still need a worship leader. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's uh, a funny, funny story. I'm speaking of, like, so when I was in high school, I was in the choir um, because my best one of my best friend's dad was the choir director. So I kind of, he kind of let me in just so I could have that class on my transcript or whatever. Um, but we were preparing for the, uh, the state competition and <laughs> we were standing in line, getting ready to walk out onto the risers and he walks up to me and he goes, Clay, don't sing too loud. <laughs> <laughs> so I've known for a long time that I have no musical talent whatsoever. So, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Uh, so I want to talk about, um, and by the way, we're, we're, we're typically, recording these two episodes at a time because he does live in Cincinnati. So if anybody watching that thinks we don't change clothes, that's why we don't No, but we don't change clothes though. (laughs) Or shower very often or anything. But we left off last episode, you were kind of mentioning that um, just the fact that you have questions or that we don't have answers to all the questions um, or that maybe there's some doubt um, about certain aspects of the Bible, how it was formed, what it says, that um, that's not necessarily, a, and I'm putting words in your mouth here, but a crisis of faith, or it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. Um, it just means you have questions. With that being said, why is it, why does it feel like if you ask those questions or you want to know why this denomination is different than this denomination, or why does it feel like you just can't like you're if you by asking that you're you're wrong you have doubts you're just you don't believe why does it feel that way yeah I, uh, yeah it is it is perceived that way it is perceived that way that oh well if you ask questions that uh you just don't have faith you don't have enough faith and i don't know it's probably part of the way we've been raised you know don't question god the 
You know, I don't know if I mentioned this on a previous podcast or not. I think I did, but there's a, uh, you know, the magnet that goes on the fridge that we've always had at the house that said, God, believe, you know, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And that's good. That's good. And I, and I appreciate that to a point, but it's like, it's like there's just never been, if you start to ask questions, it's like you're doubting God and you're not a good Christian if you doubt God, like, you know, you're, you're shame on you. And I, so, and I think, and that's unfortunate because if you actually look at the history of Christianity, a lot of colleges were started, um, as Christian colleges or with, with Judeo Christian principles as their foundation. Um, and you know, I mean, Christianity has always supported education, learning, um, you know, gathering new information. I mean, that's that's what Christians do. It should be doing. That's what Christians should be doing. In the history of the church, they have done that. But um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just. Yeah, I would be interesting to maybe talk to a missionary and see how it is in other countries. Like, if you begin to ask questions, you know, if you if you have some of these doubts in other churches in other places, do they respond the same way? I don't know. I only know That's how they do it the way that I've been raised and, you know, in the circles that I've run in, so to speak. So I don't know how it is other places. You know, so, so we were watching this show the other night called The Sinner. And the reason I, and when you've been saying that made me think of this because in the first season of this show, this mom, um, she's super, uh, they're Catholic. There's a super like, Strict Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, you know, if you don't believe in in, in Jesus, like you're basically you're. Well, she, so she had a sick daughter, and she told her daughter that was well that the reason her daughter was sick was because she doesn't she didn't believe enough, or that if she you know she didn't want her eating sugar, so if she ate this chocolate bar, mm-hmm. her daughter was going to die. You know, her sister was going to die if she ate that chocolate bar. Um, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, you know that brings up an interesting question because to be a Christ follower, you, you basically the Bible says you just have to believe, right? You have to believe God is the creator of all and Jesus is the son. He died on the cross for our sins. He resurrected on the third day. And we, we accept the fact that we're all sinners and he died on the cross for our sins. Well, she obviously believes that, but like, that's kind of an extreme like, I mean, at what point do you, are you crossing that line where, okay, it's obvious she believes, but, you know, we talk about having doubts. That's just the opposite of having doubts. Like, you, they won't get medical attention. You can't eat, you know, if you eat chocolate bar, you're going to die. Like, when does it go from belief to abuse? Like, I mean, that's, yeah. you know. Yeah, that, that can happen for sure. I mean, so what do you say to somebody that says, like, well, like somebody like that looks down on me because my faith's not as strong as them. So God loves her more because she believes more than I do. Like, how do you answer that question? Well, yeah. Well, no. If somebody says God loves that person more, then, I mean, that's not even scriptural, you know. Um, God loves God loved us, the Bible says, and while we were still sinners in our sins, uh, God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. So, yeah, that's, that's just a ridiculous notion. It's not, it has no scriptural basis whatsoever. And the reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of, with, we're talking about asking questions and those questions maybe not being well received by people. Yeah. It kind of feels that way. It's that what I think I said maybe in the very first episode, it's that compassion camo it's judgment 
disguised as compassion, camouflaged as compassion, you know, like, well, you wouldn't be in this. We're going to help you, but you wouldn't be in this situation if you believed like I believed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's when you start. So when you do have a question, are you going to go to that person with that question? Nope. So, and not just a question. If you have a problem or you need prayer about something or you need help, those aren't the kind of people you want to turn to. No, not at all. Because you're going to be judged, judged for the situation yeah. that you're in. Um, and I think that's a turnoff to a lot of people. Yeah. And there, there's nothing, the word judgment, I think, kind of has been misused in Christianity. Um, Jesus said we are to make righteous judgments. He said, you know, judge righteous judgments. So there's nothing wrong with, we do that every day. We make a judgment. Um, you know, so I think we've kind of missed, we've abused that word. We make judgments in every area of our lives. When I was driving here, I had to make a judgment. Am I, you know, I've passed this car to my right. Now am I up far enough so I can get on over, you know, and get out of this the fast lane and get back to where I want to be? So it's like, okay, so I had to make a judgment. I make a judgment every day when I'm picking something to eat. What am I in the mood for, you know? So it's the, the word judge, I, and they use that phrase. Jesus said it in Sermon on the Mount, judge not lest you be judged. And he's not saying that you can't use your brain to make a judgment. What he is saying is you don't know a person's heart. So somebody might be addicted to drugs. I'm going to make a judgment and say that's a bad move. You know, drugs are a bad thing. That's a judgment that I'm making. But I don't know why they turn to drugs. It doesn't make me better than them, you know, because I don't do drugs. You know what I mean? So I what I'm called to do is help them and do it in such a way that doesn't make them feel like I'm looking down on them. That's what he's saying when he says don't judge, is don't judge a person's motives because you don't know what's in their heart. You can look at their a person's actions and say, hey, that's not the best to sit, you know, the best move you're Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruits, by the things that it does, by the fruit that it bears, you'll or, you know, by the fruit that a, a tree bears or by the um, works that a person does, you'll know kind of um a little bit more about their character and about their thinking and about who they are based on what they do, you know, but you can't look at their heart and and know why people do certain things. And that's where we've really got to be careful. Yeah. So the, the, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's, you've got to meet people where they are, try to understand why they're there. And as, uh, as a Christian, you're believing that you have a, you believe there's a solution for them to have a better way forward, a better path. Um, and I think you also run into a problem there as well, where that better way forward is often presented as instantaneous. Yep, exactly. So, okay, you're on drugs today, but if you just accept that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins, like tomorrow it's you're, you're better. You're cured. Like you have, I mean, now there's been cases where people have absolutely, like I no longer have the desire, but there's other people who, who struggle and it's presented, I think in a raw, I think it's presented in a way where it's a, because here's what happens. If you don't, if you don't feel that, if you still feel this urge to use drugs or alcohol or steal or whatever you're, you know, whatever it may be, or all of a sudden, you know, you think your rent's going to be paid and it's not. And, you know, well, now the implication is this isn't a solution. 
So why would I continue walking down this path and believing this way? Yep. Um, and I think that's because I think Jordan Peterson says it really well. He says, I mean, this world is about the one thing that is really real in this world that we can all relate to is pain mm-hmm. and, and struggle. And Jordan Peterson says that um, you're either you've either come out of a struggle, you're in a struggle, or you're going to, be, you're going to be in a struggle yeah. at some point. Um, and I think sometimes, especially with a lot of the more contemporary churches, the solution is, uh, hey, just. Hey, just come over here and believe in Jesus and everything gets like peaches and cream. It's great. Yep. And you'll be a millionaire. Yep. And you'll get the parking spot closest to the, the door. Park, yep. yep. Life will be great. Yep. <laughs> Follow Jesus and you'll never have any more problems. And, you know, now when you look at the life, of course, that's where in my mind, the life of Job comes in. Devout, devout man of God. Job, by the way, we was talking in our last episode about the scriptures and stuff. Job actually, uh, church you know, it's, it's not church historians, but scholars that have studied the, the scriptures um, have said that Job is actually most likely the oldest book in the Old Testament. So just interesting fact there, which which is wild to me. But so because um, when you read it in the order that we've put it, Job is sandwiched somewhere in the middle of the Old Testament. You know what I mean? So it's like, really? Um, but it makes me think of Job. In his life. And if you, in James, we, we also talked about James. James, in the book, in, in his letter, he writes, you, you know, you're going to go through these trials. And he said, consider Job's life. Consider the story of Job. Now, at the end of the story, James says the Lord had pity and a lot of mercy. In other words, because God restored him double everything he had. Gave him his kids back, restored double you know, so at the end, did God want Job's life destroyed? No. So I do believe that God wants us to prosper and be in health. The Bible says that in John. Um, and Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. And that's true. And I think there is a place to live in abundance, abundant life. We can have joy, but that joy, that overcoming, being victorious, doesn't necessarily mean we won't go through the trial. It, it means that we're, we can have peace and strength and joy in the midst of the trial. And I think sometimes it is presented as you come to Jesus and all your problems will just go away. The truth is you come to Jesus, life might actually get a little bit harder. Because now you're on, you're on Satan, Satan's hit list. You know what I mean? You are um, Now you are um, thinking differently than the world around you thinks. Like you're separating yourself from that that way of thinking and and even that way of living uh, certain you know things that they participate in that as Christians we uh, you know we 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 don't want to live that way anymore. I mean that so it's it's not necessarily going to get easier. And I think people ought to just be real about it. What it means to follow Jesus. Jesus said, "Take up your cross and follow me." He didn't say, you know, go to the bank and. I'm going to give you a check that's a blank check and you fill in the numbers. He said, no, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross. It's going to be difficult at times, but it's worth it. And that, I mean, that's basically saying like, you know, just first you need to start off by being accountable, like own it. Just own it. Yeah. Right. And so I've, I've always talked to, you know, well, granddad used to say to me all the time, you know, I don't care if you make a mistake, just admit it, learn from it. And move forward. I mean, like, just own it. <laughs> you know, it's so much easier than trying to blame everybody else. Just own it and move forward. So that's, you know, I think the first step, own it. And then you can't really go to Jesus and ask to be forgiven for something if you don't if you don't think you're the reason that it happened, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Um, 
Well, and you also said something at the end of uh, the last podcast that I found interesting too, which was um, that you don't necessarily have to have the you don't have to have the Bible to believe in God. So, and I find that interesting because we've got you know on record there's approximately two billion people who consider themselves Christians. You got two billion people that consider themselves Muslims. Well, you've got eight, almost eight billion people in the world. So you've got half the world that doesn't claim either one. There's obviously other religions, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got maybe this indigenous tribe in the Amazon somewhere that's never seen any other civilization. Um, but you talked about that, you know, maybe it's nature is the way God reveals himself to them. So do you think that there's like for... You know, sometimes even at the denomination level, you can get caught up with, uh, well, if you don't believe this doctrine, mm-hmm. then you are just wrong. And if you're wrong, you're just going to hell. Yeah. Um, so is there, so what do you say to somebody that says, well, what about all these people who've never, never even seen a Bible? Like how, how, what happens when they die? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I just watched a, just watched a YouTube video on that and there's. There, man, there's different schools of thought on that. And I, I'll just tell you right now, at the beginning, I don't have an answer for this. Um, because the Bible says, in order to get to heaven, Jesus said it in John chapter 3, you must be born again. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, but then on the flip side of the coin, Paul also said in Romans, how can people hear the gospel if no preacher goes and shares it with them? You know? So what do you do in a case where you've got some, and this is probably, there's, there's probably not a large, well, maybe over history there has been, I don't, today, I don't know how many people would actually fall into the category of never hearing about Jesus. I mean, but I'm sure there are some, and what, what happens when they die to be completely honest with you? That's where I would say, God's got to take over. You know, do they, are they only responsible for the light that they have? I, I believe there are some scriptures that kind of teach that, you know, that, um, that when you're, you're held accountable for the things that you know, not the things you don't know. So, and what I said, what I said was when we ended our last podcast about that revelation of, of nature, that's what we call general revelation. But so you wouldn't know that God has a son named Jesus if it wasn't, you know, for scripture, you know, so that's the specific revelation that takes it, that goes further into it. So people that haven't heard that, I, I don't know. Part of me says it would be unjust for God to send them to hell if they had never heard. Like, is that their fault? So then we go back to accountability, responsibility. How much of it is their fault? You know, and then somebody that takes the scripture says, yeah, but this verse says that if you don't confess it with your mouth, Jesus, yeah, if you've heard the gospel, that's absolutely true. If you hear about Jesus and reject him, absolutely. People that never heard, I don't know. Interesting. That that um, has to, that's that's a God, that's something God would have to decide. No, I mean, I love the fact that you're honest about it and say, I don't know, I don't know. You know, I don't know what that answer would be. That's outside of my scope, basically. I mean, it is. But I do believe you do have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And, and you know, if you want to be a Christ follower, you have to believe in your heart. Like, Scripture makes that very plain. Um, it doesn't really deal with people. You know, there's something Scripture kind of omits, just doesn't talk about. And it doesn't really say, well, if you've never heard and you die, this is what's going to happen to you. You know, it doesn't doesn't address that. So I, I really don't know. Hmm. Well, so you said, like, 
you know, this verse says this, you know, people are like that. This verse says this, so this is the way it has to be. So as we start to go through some of these Bible stories here in future episodes, and we start to look at, um, you know, say maybe the the creation story or stories in Genesis or Revelation or um, Jonah and the whale, things like that. What's your take on should the Bible be taken read literally? Uh, are there parts of it that are, are figurative? I mean, we know there's parts that are historical and they're his- accurate, they're historically accurate. Um, and we also, or is it a combination of both? Like, I mean, you know, for example, I'll just use this, and we'll, and we'll get into more detail in another episode about the creation story. But for example, you know, the, the first creation story in the Bible says God created the earth in, in six days, rested on the seventh. But in that process of the those six days, he created day. So he created day, but then it's also based on each day. Um, so is that, I mean, is, is there, do I take that literal? Do I take that figurative? Is there a way to take it as both? Um, I mean, Jesus taught in parables and, sure. you know, so, I mean, what, what's kind of the standard church belief on that, if you will? Yeah, I I think both. Um, now, traditionally, like the creation story is taken, you know, literally, and and you can tell something. You just got to, it's really a story-by-story, case-by-case basis. Um, because when you get into Revelation, you know, John's seeing a beast coming out of the sea. You know, that's how he's envisioning, and that's how he writes it. I don't think that it's a literal monster coming out of the Pacific Ocean, you know, like uh, some of the movies, you know, that we we watch, some of these sci-fi movies. I don't think it's anything like that. I think that, and people have interpreted that a different way, that it's that it's a leader coming up out of a group of nations and, you know, seven heads and ten horns or, you know, seven countries or ten countries and, and so many leaders. And, I mean, so they, they interpret it a different way. So it... You know, when you read, take, take for example, Jonah and the whale. So Jonah and the whale kind of seems like a wild story. Actually, a while back, a guy claims to, was it off Australia, the coast of Australia? He, he was in a kayak, and he claimed to, that a whale had actually swallowed him. Do you remember seeing that? I did there? see that, yeah. For- yeah. So I guess it's possible because <laughs> whales are big. <laughs> so, but when you read, when you read the story of, of, of Jonah, it's like, there could be a temptation there to take that as, is this a literal story? And most likely that's how we read it is a literal story, but there could be the temptation to say, well, maybe this was a, a just a, a tale in that day used to, to bring about a bigger point. But then when you get in the new Testament, Jesus actually references that story and treats it as though it's a historical fact. So I think you, there has to be a harmony of the scriptures that, that work together Um and you just kind of know on a case by case basis. Okay, I, we have agreed. You know, the, the Christian Church has agrees that this passage seems to be more literal. This passage seems to be more figurative. So, yeah, I, I think my take on it is I think it's a, it's a combination of both. Um, and again, I, I'm going to come back to presentation on this. I think. It's presented at, you know, it starts in Sunday school with a very, very friendly view of, of whatever story you're reading. Um, 
and sometimes it doesn't go much beyond that. I, I think it's I look at that a lot of these stories in the Bible is more like an onion. I think the more you peel back, the, there's more layers than you think there are, and you start to find out that there's a whole lot of wisdom behind a lot of these stories um, that are just lost in because nobody ever wants to dig that deep. You know, and I know it's hard to do on a Sunday morning sermon or in an hour-long Sunday school class or something like that. But I think, um, you know, people we get caught up in this debate of literal versus figurative. Again, I think it's kind of both, but I think it's just I think there's just so many. I mean, I've said this before, right? I mean, we as the world is it's complicated. I mean, the way the world works is complex and complicated, and the way the human body operates is complex and complicated why wouldn't this bible be that why wouldn't the word of god be complex and complicated i mean the word of god is actually so magical right it's so powerful that it created the earth it created what where we are human beings and the earth and all of that i mean john says and talks about it in the first first verse of john right he's talking about the logos which is god spoke creation into existence. I mean, even other cultural stories, such as the Mesopotamian creation story, uh, Marduk, their their chief god, you know, his magic power, so to speak, was magic words. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the, when we look at the Bible, that's what it is. It's it's is. We're supposed to look at it as God's word. There's going to be some layers to it. I think I think we don't do ourselves enough justice by digging deep enough into the word. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of the purpose of, of the title of this podcast is can't ask that, you know, you can't peel back that next layer. You know, it's, it's nice. It's pretty just the way it is. I think of the passion of the Christ. If you look at pictures of Jesus on a cross, um, in homes, in churches, if you look at a crucifix and a lot of them, you know, it's a real pretty, peaceful, effeminate, gentle-looking Jesus, you know? And if you then, if you go watch The Passion of the Christ, which was so graphic that it was rated R, it's a rated R movie about Jesus, you know, this isn't a hallmark that we're talking about now. <laughs> this is this is more real and, you know, or more true to the story. So I, I think, to me, that's a good example of that. It's like, and I have actually talked to people that weren't super comfortable with that movie because it was too graphic. Okay, maybe, but it's closer to the truth, in my opinion. And I think scripture, when you read the Bible, you find this out. A movie like that's way closer to the truth than some of these older movies that you have where Jesus may have a little trickle of blood coming down off his his brow, and that's about it, you know, and a few stripes. No, he was beat to a pulp. And I saw, I thought Mel Gibson did a good job of showing that. And I think that's a good example of, uh, of where we, we want, we want Christianity, we want life. And we, we even see this, I think, in our churches. We want our churches to be these nice, pretty places that, and, and they should be. This is the house of God. We should keep it clean. We should take care of it. I understand that. But 
like when I pastored before, we had a dynamic, dynamic kids ministry. And you have, I mean, there were some Wednesday nights, we'd have almost 100 kids and teens coming in and out of the church. We were not a very big church, but we had this powerful kids ministry. Guess what? Kids are tracking in dirt. Kids are coming in smelly because they haven't showered. Kids are coming in hungry because their parents haven't fed them. You know, kids aren't, they don't, not all of them, a lot of them, most of them don't clean up after themselves, you know, so they're leaving trash behind and, you know, and people want to complain about that. And I'm like, no, this is the fruit of the ministry. This means we're doing something right. You know, Christianity doesn't have to be this pretty little package. And I think, you know, and I think that does it an injustice as well is, is we want it to just look neat and pretty and no, we don't want to ask those questions. We don't want to talk about anything that would threaten our comfort. I think is what it boils down to. Yeah, and instead of I think having that conversation, your the, the answer is always what did you, what did you say? You saw like God said it. That's the way it is. Yeah. Well, okay, then maybe we need to go back and read Leviticus and then ask you if you're living that way. You know, I mean, so I mean, there's aspects to that story that right are you know the Mosaic Law, or I think a lot of those what we would consider more ordinances today than law. You know, laws on how to what to wear, how to groom, what to eat, things like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are literal. I mean, and it was, but it's not, it's not universally, universally lateral, right? It, it was literal to them at that time, mm-hmm. and we can gain wisdom from that, but that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't apply universally today. Um, you know, I think there, there was a, for example, there was a, it may still be on the books in Lexington, I don't know, I think, but there was at one time, I think they may have taken it off. Um, if anybody knows you know, comment. Um, but there was a law on the books for Lexington, Kentucky, that if you, it was against the law to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket. <laughs> I mean, that was the literal law, but it wasn't laterally applied to anyone outside of Lexington. You know, it was just for that, that time and place. And I think a lot of the stories in the Bible, especially when we're talking about like the uh, Mosaic laws were um, for where they lived and the time they lived in at, at the time. That so, so my, my question then is because sometimes laws are made because people are doing a certain thing. You have to have a law for it. Was there like a lot of people walking around with? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've wondered that myself. Like I don't know how that law came about. Like somebody dropped ice cream on somebody's shoe. That's what happened. <laughs> That's it. It was probably the mayor's shoe or something. Probably. <laughs> I'll fix this. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Where were we? You're going to have to bring me back. Now, now i got ice cream on the brain. So so figurative, literal, but yeah, there's there literal. Go. It may not actually be applicable because it was more applicable to – I think it's that you um, – I borrowed a book from you one time. It was reading – Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, yeah. Right. Yeah. We tend to think like – I'd like that back sometimes, by the yeah, way. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but you know, we tend to read the Bible from our viewpoint of today. Yeah. Yep, that's true. And, and so a lot of these stories, the way these stories were told, um, the way wisdom and history and tradition was passed down is very different from the way we do it today. And if we're trying to view it from the way we look at things today, there's a lot we're going to miss. We're going to miss. Yep. Yeah, exactly. 
And, and the truth is, it, it, it takes a lifetime of digging. Like, we're not going to have all those answers. We're not always going to read a passage of Scripture and say, oh, this is exactly what he meant. No, that's part of the growing process, right? But as Christians, we should be trying to grow. We should be, uh, that should be our goal. That should be our goal. Um, you know, there there are so many verses that we take liberties with, Clay. Um, we go to Bible study. Well, this verse speaks this to me. Well, this verse means this to me, and this verse means this to me. And some of that is okay, because I do believe the Bible is the living word, and it can speak to us. Even an obscure verse can speak to us in a situation. I, I do honestly believe that. But at the same time, that doesn't give us the right to just take it out of context to apply it to any situation we want to apply it to. right? When Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he actually was talking about something very specific in that moment. Now, is that a uni- like a, is there a broader principle there? Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, but still understand what he was saying when he wrote it. And, and that goes with all the Bible. It was written in a different place for a different people. Sometimes people forget the Bible was not written to you or me. It was not written to Clay. It was not written to Jameson. First Timothy was written to Timothy. You know, first Peter was written by Peter to a certain group of people. Um, so it wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. And there are things for us to learn there. But just viewing it solely through our the lens of our culture, you'll you'll really you'll miss a lot. That's true. It's interesting you say that because I was just reading that um, when I was kind of looking up some stuff about figurative versus literal um, trans- interpretation of the Bible. Um, that was one of the points that was made is how often that we misuse verses for our own benefit, if you will. Um, and I see that even on Sunday. In fact, there was a... Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but there was a, there's been a couple of, of churches that we've attended that it felt to me like it was a motivational speech with a Bible verse inserted to make it a sermon, and it would be completely out of context with what the actual... If you were to pull back and not read just that verse, but read that entire chapter or see what that entire story was unfolding, it had nothing to do with the way they used it. Mm-hmm. I think you see politicians do it, and you know, whenever people want to make a point... Um, in fact, I just got done reading a book called Deconstructing Lucifer, and it kind of took that whole approach to that verse in Isaiah where it talked about that's often used to as the uh, the verse in the Bible where um, Satan was kicked out of heaven. Um, and it was an interesting take because when the further out from that verse you go into the story, um, you brings some questions about if that actually what it meant. It was pretty interesting when you start to get into translations and things like that. So I think um, there's definitely, yeah, I don't, I don't, unfortunately, I think the Bible's misused a lot. It is. It is. And, you know, when you say stuff like that, or when I say stuff like Jonah, was it a literal story or not? And it, it was according to Jesus. Okay. So, and I believe what Jesus said. So, yeah, you know, but, and then when you make that statement, like, is that really what it meant when, uh, you know, when we speak of Satan getting, getting kicked out of heaven or whatever, you know, it, people that I know, okay. People that know me that would listen to this podcast, probably a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have a very, uh, cause we run in some of the same circles and they have a very conservative traditional view of scripture. So even coming, bringing up a question like, was Satan really kicked out of heaven the, the way 
you know, the way we're taught it, which I'm not saying that he wasn't because Jesus said, I beheld Satan like lightning fall from heaven, you know? So, and I don't know if that book talks about that it or does, not, but, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, immediately it wants to make you put up your, 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 not just your radar, but want to put up some walls. Like, wait a second, these guys are tiptoeing on dangerous ground here. And that, but that's the point. We're not, we're just simply asking a question you know, that we don't have an answer. If the Bible says something plainly and clearly, uh, like Jesus, we're not sitting here debating whether or not Jesus is God's son. We know he is, right? But we're looking at some of the deeper stuff that and we just, and maybe that could be, you know, a good question. Is Jesus God's son? There, That actually, there is a good place to ask that question. But my, my point is, um, you know, it's not wrong to want to dive into this stuff. And I actually think it would strengthen our faith. So I, I want to encourage the people that are part of some of the circles that I've run in, if they, you know, do happen to listen to this, don't be scared off by questions, you know. Um, we may not end up with any good answers, but the questions aren't wrong to ask. And so I would be very interested in getting learning more about that book. Um, matter of fact, when you give me my other book back, maybe you can let me borrow that one too. So it was probably on your Kindle though, wasn't it? It was on my yeah, Kindle. Okay. Well, you can just give me your Kindle. That's there fine. Well, I, and so I, I like, I have this conversation with my wife all the time, right? She's like, well, she's like, you know, you're not going to find like some bottom line answer. I'm like, I know I'm not necessarily trying to. And on one hand, I'm almost like, like our, our grandmother or, or Laura, you know, she's just like, I just choose to believe. I'm like, that's awesome. I, I kind of wish I could do that, but I, I can't, I've got to dig deeper. Um, and I'm not digging deeper because I'm trying to validate or invalidate. You know what I mean? Like, I, for me, and I've asked myself this question a lot. Like, okay, by ask by going down this road, am I am I kind of subconsciously saying I don't believe or I doubt or whatever? And I don't think so. I think I, I spend a lot of time thinking about this. And for me, the reason I want to ask these questions, the reason I want other people to feel comfortable asking these questions, is because I want to make sure to the best of my wisdom that I'm worshiping God the way he wants me to worship in spirit and in truth. Like Jesus said. Yep. Yep. So, and that might mean I don't want to, I, I might come to the conclusion that the way this group worships is not for me. Mm-hmm. Cause I can't tell you how many times that I have felt closer to God on a Sunday morning run than I have sitting in a pew. So, and that's what I'm trying to find out. Like, okay, is what's the best way for me to just be thankful f- to you? I mean, that's kind of what I'm searching for. And in the process, I'm digging down some really deep holes, and I'm actually enjoying every bit of it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And that's and and that's scriptural. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I think that's what you're talking about is the pursuit of truth. I believe that all truth is God's truth. You know, whether it comes specifically from the Bible or whether it's true, whether it's a mathematical equation that's true. You know, I believe if it's true, if something is true, then at its core, it had to originate from God because God is truth and all true. If it's, if it's true, then, and God is a God of truth, then there has to be correlation there, you know? So there's nothing wrong with wanting to find the truth. I mean, that's my opinion anyways. And for a long time, I felt like I was scared to to try to go down that path. Like I was literally scared to go down that path because I kind of felt like if I asked that question or um, if I didn't quite agree with this interpretation, um, 
Like I was going to walk outside and lightning was going to strike me on the head. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, I was felt to, I was made to feel that way. Um, at times, you know, I've kind of had, uh, two thoughts come to mind. First one about music I've had as I've grown older. Um, when, when I was younger, we had a, we had an evangelist come to our church that said, if you don't listen to anything but Christian music, you're, you're wrong. And, and, um, my pastor who's an old pilgrim holiness pastor. He was a good, he was a good man. He was a good preacher. He did. He never said that. It was the evangelist that came in and said that. Right. So come to find out though, my pastor, he loved country music. So, and I was like, really, I couldn't, I couldn't envision him and being somebody that just loved country music. And, but then you got this guy that comes in and says, if you don't listen to anything but Christian music, you are, you're sinning, you know, you're listening to worldly, worldly music. Now, yeah, there is some music that the worldly ideas are out there, you know, you know, sexual and murder and, you know, all this, you know, just and hatred and, you know, things like that. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, let into our spirits. But, um, so as I've gotten older though, I realized, wait, if all truth is God's truth and if music at its core, cause I like to listen to a lot of music that doesn't have words to it, just kind of more of an ambient feel to it, kind of relaxing. You know what, if, if, if that makes me feel good and, and kind of at peace and just kind of helps me rest and relax and, like that has to be from God. That's a gift from God. That's see, a good thing. I can just see you now driving down the road, listening to Inya meditating <laughs> <laughs> with eyes open. <laughs> so, but that's my first one. And the second thought I had was was um, so I don't even know where that came from. It just came to my mind. But is somebody once told me that Scripture can withstand scrutiny. If we believe, and this is where our faith is put to the test, right? That's a t-shirt right there. I like that. (laughs) If we believe that the Bible is true, then you should have, if you believe that, you should have no problems with me coming in and putting that to the test. Because if what you say is true, then what's, why are you worried about it? Right? But if there's a fear in your heart that maybe something you believe isn't true, that's when you don't want it to be uncovered. Right then, that's when you get kind of nervous. Like, uh, let's not go down this road. So, I think it really asking questions puts our faith to the test. Is what I believe really the truth? Right, because if I want to believe truth, then and I believe God is truth. All truth is God's, and I should have no problem. Let's scrutinize the Bible. Let's pick it apart. You know, if if it's false. I wouldn't want to believe it anyways. If it's truth, then go ahead and pick it apart. You ain't going to find anything there that's going to make make anybody believe different because it's true. You know what I mean? Yep. So I, the scripture can withstand scrutiny, and that, that always stuck with me. Well, good deal. Well, I think that, and I think that's probably uh, kind of, I think, how we'll, we'll be moving forward um, as we start to, to dig into the Bible a little bit, and uh, we're going to throw some scrutiny at it and see what, uh, what shakes out. So... I'm looking forward to this. Sounds fun. Yes. All right. Till next time. All right, man.